Ben Roethlisberger's not done. No, the Steelers as a whole aren't done. It's been, it's been a month. It really has for this franchise. And what happened here in Orchard Park, New York, last night only added to it. But they're not done. They're just not. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. Coming to you from the scene of where the Steelers fell to 11-2 and by falling to the Bills, 26-15. It was a strange game. Uh, it had one massively significant turning point with Ben throwing that pick six near the end of the first half. I thought the Steelers were on track to win the game before that happened. And then I really thought otherwise once it did happen. And judging from the reactions from both the Steelers and the Bills' sides afterward, they saw it the same way. Jerry Hughes, one of the defensive ends for Buffalo, called it the play of the season. And I don't know if he meant just for Buffalo or in the NFL or whatever, but it was a big matchup of two AFC teams with very good records. And yeah, that that really swung things. Are they done? Are they done? Ah. <sighs> What do you do with this team, you know? (laughs) What do you do with them? I feel like in following these guys all over the country and covering the 11-0 start and having spent more than half of my focus and energy after those 11 wins lasering in on areas where the team still needed to improve if it was going to go to the next level, meaning be a real live Super Bowl contender. I feel like all of this has become something almost of a self-fulfilling prophecy. We've been waiting so long for the Steelers to lose, to fall back. That now that they have, it doesn't feel like it's surprised anyone. I know it hasn't surprised me. I never saw 16-0. and 0. Uh, And yeah, I saw the lousy Ws mixed in with some of the very good ones out of those first 11. But here they are. Here they are. And, and it, it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. Because they now need to address multiple shortcomings, most of those on offense, some of those injury-related, but let's not just completely shrug off the defensive side. Uh, Yeah, they played shorthanded. They played shorthanded here. They played without Joe Hayden, without Vince Williams, without Robert Spillane, without Bud Dupree, without Devin Bush. You can keep doing this. But they were missing a lot of guys. And they did some different things, and for the most part, especially early on, they were effective. But then they weren't because they wore down. And we've seen them wear down. 
I believe the reason they wear down is because the offense can't possess the football. And they're out there too long and they take too many snaps. And their backs, it seems like, are always against the wall. The offense, uh, it, too soon, right? Okay, yeah, I'm not going there either. But it needs a lot of work. It needs significant change. And now on top of that, you lose two interior offensive linemen to pectoral injuries. Uh, we won't know until later today, uh, maybe even not until tomorrow, the status of Matt Filer and Kevin Dotson, both of whom had pec injuries. Now, those are not good for offensive linemen. Those are not things that you come back from the same season if there's a significant tear. So an offensive line that already wasn't doing the job, wasn't getting very much push, certainly not in the running game, just knocked out two guys, one of them one of their more stable performers in, in, in Filer as a starter, and another one, Dotson, who'd been seen, and I think rightly so, as a, as a real hope. Somebody needed to get on the field because they were running effectively behind him early in the season when he took David DeCastro's place. Now, uh, you know, like who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? They have all kinds of issues to address, chiefly the running game and chiefly after that, throwing downfield. There's not a lot of daylight between those two when I rank them, believe me. But how do they do it? What do they do? If they win a week from today, and it's a Monday night game in Cincinnati, and they beat the Bengals, it'll be, you know, they beat the Bengals. The Bengals don't even have Joe Burrow. The Bengals are missing a ton of guys. Uh, they have nothing to play for whatsoever. And no one will take it seriously, and the, the shortcomings won't necessarily even need to be addressed for that to happen. And knowing the way this head coach focuses so hard on nothing other than the next game, he might just spend the week scheming how to beat the Bengals instead of how do we get this team back to contending? How do we get this team back to a higher level? That's not to sit here and lay it all on the head coach or the coordinators, as I'm sure pretty much everyone back home is doing these past few hours. But, but that is part of it, and I've been warning about that all season, including when times were great. I didn't want the Steelers to lose a game or two so that they'd be appropriately humbled or get rid of the pressure that was on them or anything intangible like that. I wanted them to focus on the things that they couldn't do well, even if that meant losing the game that given week. I remain steadfastly in favor of this. If you're facing the Bengals in Cincinnati, I can't get all caught up in worrying about, uh, you know, 
seeding, what Kansas City's doing. I don't even care about Cleveland or the AFC North or any of that stuff. I want to see the Steelers address their shortcomings. Go at them. Go at them hard. If the Bengals give you the opportunity to run around the edges the way James Conner did in Jacksonville, and I told everyone at the time it meant nothing, even though he got all defiant with with us afterward, it meant nothing. If James Conner can run around your edge, it just means you have a lousy defense. Instead of running around the edge on the Bengals, run up the gut. Get better at it. Even if it doesn't work, even if you lose to the bleeping Bengals, run. Go at them. Throw downfield while you're at it. You know, what's the harm? Get better. Because if you don't, then all these things that everybody has been saying from Tomlin on down about how the only thing that matters is the Super Bowl. We're not worried about 16-0. and 0. We're not worried about this. We're not worried about the division. We're not worried about the, the bye week. We're, not, we're only worried about the Super Bowl. The one thing, the ring, the Lombardies, everything that everyone said. None of that will mean anything if you don't address these things that are wrong. None of it. I don't, I don't want to hear, really, I don't want to hear anything from any of these guys this week. After this game, it was a lot of the same stuff. It was very, very predictable to be candid with you. You know, maybe the only thing that wasn't predictable was was Ben throwing throwing this out there. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, if, I, if I don't play good enough football, then I need to, to hang it up, but... Um, you know, I, I still feel like I can, you know, do some, do enough things to help this team win football games, and um, I'm gonna do everything I can to get us back on track. Yeah, I'm not even sure what to do with that. I mean, I know that Ben's saying, you know, that he's hanging him up if he's not capable of playing well is going to end up being all the buzz back home for the next few days. Um, we love our narratives in sports, but man, Steelers fans really love narratives. It's never enough to just point to a football thing. There's always got to be some kind of extra soap opera-ish drama to it. And believe it or not, I'm not blaming the team or the media for that. I really think that's something that the fans of this particular franchise are really into. I, I don't know why. But I don't think it's a thing. Ben didn't make it this far to just all of a sudden start contemplating how he's going to be done after this year. Nor does he see himself as being insufficient at this. He engineered a drive in the second half of this game that got the Steelers back within a single score that was outstanding. And it was almost entirely him. Uh, everything about it, the way he was motioning people. Um, it was 10 plays, 61 yards. It ended with that uh, good read and the throw to Juju over on the right side. And then a really nice pass to Eric Ebron for the two-point conversion. He knows he can still do that. 
And if you know that as an athlete, you're not sitting there thinking, I can't do this anymore. I have limitations. So I think he's just being the way he tends to be whenever he's down. He gets moody and he says stuff. And he says stuff that because he says it becomes a headline or the headline. To me, this is this is a lot more about a bunch of people. This is about this group needing to get it together as it relates to addressing the known and now glaringly obvious and often embarrassing shortcomings. They have to find a way to back defenses off the line of scrimmage. The Bills did the same thing that Baltimore and Washington did. They brought all their safeties up. uh, And that, of course, hurts the running game in turn. They have to address these things. And they have to address them as if nothing else matters. Because they're going to be in the playoffs. Whether they have uh, a bye or a certain seed or home field of all things doesn't matter in the slightest. I mean, this game was played in front of zero people. They just need to get their act together. But in those areas... It's not just about beating the Bengals or beating the Colts or even beating the Browns at the end of the regular season. It's about trying to find a way to get back on their feet, to regain some of that swagger that they had, especially early on. Or don't. Or don't. Just go beat the Bengals. When we come back, just one question. Just one question brought to you by our friends at Lawrence Garbett, Kelly, and George. That's a personal injury law firm that helps people who've been hurt in car accidents or who need assistance with medical malpractice claims, workers' comp. They've been making promises to people and keeping those promises for more than 80 years right here in our region. They have offices across western Pennsylvania or... You can just check them out online at lgkg.com. Today's question comes from my man Biggie Ant. That's what he goes by. And he asks, and this is too good to not use, what content could you possibly cover on your Monday daily shot that you haven't already. Just mail it in and replay the last three. You know, it's it's funny. When I was walking out of the Bills Stadium, uh, Dale Lolly, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, and I were going over, as we always do, what we're going to end up uh, writing about, which photographs we'll need, and so forth for our for various articles and columns. And I realized what I was saying as I said to him what I was going to write about. It. He goes, uh, he, and he, he kind of just raises an eyebrow. I mean, I go, yeah, I mean, what else is there? You know, 
What else is there? The same storyline keeps playing out week after week. Somebody, somewhere along the way, if you want to credit John Harbaugh and the Ravens for that, whatever. I I don't think that the Ravens came across anything revolutionary. The Washington players certainly did. They were crediting the Ravens left and right for having completely solved the Steelers' offense. I don't think it was all that hard to solve. They haven't been able to throw the ball downfield. We've all been talking about that all along. They aren't able to run. We've all been talking about that all along. This is only everything to the state of this team and to the state of this 2020 season. We can occasionally, you know, foray into some other area and say, oh, well, what about this uh, big play that they gave up on defense or something like that? It, it, It always falls flat. I thought the defense was absolutely fine here. I really do. I thought they had, uh, especially in the first half, you know, when they still had all their energy and mojo and everything before the offense sucks all that out of you, I thought they were able to do uh, a terrific job of pressuring Josh Allen, even though the Bills kept people in to try to protect against that, that's a great sign for this team moving forward. Alex Highsmith was able to get back there. He's not Bud Dupree yet, but he was able to make a difference. The Bills did try to chip T.J. Watt a little bit, as I'd predicted would happen. They kept a tight end in, and they kind of nudged him or hit him or bumped him or whatever on their way to running routes. And that had an impact on T.J., but... It didn't have an impact on the pass rush as a whole, and that's what matters. They got back there, the Steelers did, all of them. Cam Hayward was just a beast. A lot of these things are are still intact, are still in play. You know, you, you can't point to any part of the defense and say, gee, I really wish that would get a whole lot better or else. You can't. Funny, I, I can't even look at the drops. You know, by the way, the Steelers finished with three. I know it seems like they had a million because of the way it opened up with Deontay Johnson dropping that screen pass and then the one really hideous one by Eric Ebron. Because it was those two, it felt like there was a bunch of them. It wasn't the case. There were three. But I, I can't even get all worked up about the drops or the benching of Deontay or anything because to me all of those things are just symptomatic. And they feed off the other two things, the two main things. So if I'm going to be guilty of just beating this drum kit into the ground, so be it. If this is the thing, if this is the story with this team, it is what it is. Now that said, Biggie, I didn't go back and replay the the last three daily shots. Uh, I wasn't going to cut that kind of corner here (laughs) wow what a time what a season huh let's talk about it some more tomorrow all right thanks so much for the question thanks so much to everybody for listening
At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.